Bonjour, hello, welcome to the newest edition of the National Native Network podcast. In this edition, you will hear a conversation between the National Native Network program director Joshua Hudson and Ernie Whiteman from the Dream of Wild Health program in Minnesota. This is the first part of a two-part podcast. In this episode, you will hear more about the Dream of Wild Health program, the importance of growing traditional medicine and traditional foods. I found it to be very, I found this very interesting and enlightening to listen to as I mixed and prepared this podcast. And I'm sure you will too. Uh, So here is Josh and Ernie. So, Ernie, would you tell me a little bit about Dream of Wild Health and the things that you're doing with the farm? Yeah, it's it's a project. Well, it's more than a project, I think. It it started with a dream that uh, a few people had um, a while back, 20-some years ago. uh, Sally O.J. and John, her husband, Um, They had been working in the St. Paul area with Native people in recovery. And so they had safe houses for male and females. And they realized that food was an important part of recovery. And healthy food was, was what they were looking at. So they started with a little plot of rented land in Minneapolis, raising food, starting a garden. And realized that a little city lot was not going to be enough. It was a beginning, though. It started this dream of uh, healthy food. And so they decided that they would look for a place, a place where they could do actual farming. And it was within a radius of so many miles from the city. And that they would work with the youth because they had not touched the youth at all and they felt that the youth are the ones that they needed to work with also so they found this land in hugo minnesota hugo minnesota were roughly about 25 miles to 30 miles out of minneapolis headed north toward duluth minnesota and started this 10 acre farm and um, it started small and they started realizing that we needed to focus more and focus on indigenous foods of the people, not just to raise food, but to be more specific about the food that we were raising and how that food connects to the people. And so about that time, we were fortunate enough to be gifted um, seed from a Potawatomi elder by the name of Cora Baker. Cora Baker was a seed saver who had saved seeds all her life and was a gardener and collected seed from various tribes all over the country. So when, when Cora passed on, these seeds were gifted to Dream of Wild Health 
Um, we were the only uh, organization at the time um, and, and group that they, her family felt that was fulfilling her dream of seed saving and, and raising these ancient seeds of our ancestors. And so we started, we started the farm and we started raising the food, we started raising the seeds, but we raised other, other seeds, heirloom seeds, and it's all organic, we do organic farming. And we work with youth, we have uh, summer programs, and the youngest group is from eight to 12 years old, and they are called Chorus Kids. Um, because of Cora Baker, we've named that group Chorus Kids. And we work uh, for one week periods with the young group to introduce them to farming and to introduce them to what we do here at Dream of Wild Health. And then we work with an older group called um, Garden Warriors who are from ages 12 to 17 and they spend four weeks, one month with us here on the farm and they get more in depth in, in what we're doing here on the farm and learning a lot of the fundamentals of raising food, organic food and um, I'm the cultural director here at Dream of Wild Health so I work closely um, daily. I'm with the young people every day that they are here. Um, I teach the culture and uh, amongst other things um, to the youth, recreation, um, we do foraging. But one of the, the focuses that we had in the beginning was a healthy diet. And one of the things that happens happened, I should say, was that our people, our native people, were given a totally new diet. We were given a new diet in the form of rations. And our, uh, our natural foods, our foods that we raised at that time, were no longer encouraged. We were introduced to beef and pork. Um, we started eating sugar. We started eating lard, uh, processed bleached flour. These became our new diet. So through generations of eating that way, our, our people began to lose connection to the original foods of our people and our original ways of farming, which were all organic. Um, we were the first organic farmers, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they think organic farming is something new. It's very trendy in a lot of areas, but we were the first organic farmers. And over half the foods that we raised here on the continent of North and South America were foods that have been shared all over the world. So we have produced all, a lot of the foods that go all over the world, you know, and, and a lot of our native people aren't even aware of the fact that, that we did that and we still have contributed a lot to the world through our foods. So what we try to do is we also try to teach the, the history, you know, that's part of the culture. 
the history of the food. Uh, what happened? Why are we eating this way today? What happened to us? You know, and it, it was it was a form of uh, colonization. You know, it was a form of colonizing native people. If you can control the food, you can control the people. It's been proven on native people, and so um, we were a, a victim of that. But we have to regain that, and that's what we are trying to do here, is to regain that and decolonize our food, decolonize our people in the pro same process. Um, so we also teach the young people how to cook the food here. What, is, what good is it if you're raising food and you can't cook it, you know? And so we, we teach them how to cook the food. Um, we teach them, you know, other elements of the connections that we have to our food sources that everything is connected you know we we don't think of those terms very much anymore because we we are a linear culture you know um, even our, our our people have lost a cyclical form of thought process that existed with our people so we have to reintroduce these elements again to our young people and uh, to all our people so that we have an understanding of where we are in that circle and how we connect to everything in that circle. We're not separated, you know, we're not separate, you know, we are part of everything. The water, the air, the land, the cosmos, what goes on above us goes on down here also. We're not separated from that. And so our food is a part of that. You know, our food is part of that whole system. The animals, the animals help us. You know, the animals pollinate for us. We are all connected. We're not individuals. So we regain that. But first we must know what we're going to regain before we try to regain that. You know, it's kind of useless to try to regain something if you don't know what you're going to regain. So we have to know and understand that. So it's very important to understand the history, the history of how we got to where we're at today, you know. And so by eating healthy, by restoring our, our uh, diets, by restoring that, we begin to restore our people again. We get healthy. We have a whole new way of looking at food. Um, one of the things that we teach here is that food is medicine. You know, food always has has had, we've always had that respect for our food, you know. But I think that we have to understand that, that food can also uh, be food that is not so healthy. The processed foods that we have today. I don't say that, that food is bad, you know. Um, but, you know, there are foods that we need to eat that are healthy to regain our health. So along with healthy eating, we teach healthy lifestyles to the young people. You know, we teach them about drugs. We teach them about alcohol because these are all important elements. These are important things that we uh, as a people need to look at. You know, these are things that confront our people, not only diabetes from the food, but drug addictions, alcohol addictions, we are all victim of all these things, our people. And so if we start to 
address these issues and teach uh, other ways, alternate ways. You don't have to do this. You don't have to be that way. You have a choice. Our young people are stepping up and we see changes. We see the young people participating in community events. We see our young people going out in public and speaking about healthy foods, teaching about the culture, you know. And that's a very important part of who we are here is the spirituality that we are connected, you know. So every day we begin with a circle, that concept of circle. Um, we have a smudging. We smudge our young people. Um, I lead in a prayer. We offer our sacred tobacco. So every day we begin in a good way. We, we, get, we get on a spiritual level with why we are here, and then we, we move on with our day, and we end with a circle at the end of the day and discuss things. So these are all elements that we we do here. We do many, many other things. You know, we we work with the farmers. We have full-time farmers here. Um, they teach classes to the young people about farming. Um, we have outside people that come in and help us um, with our foods. For instance, we work closely with master gardeners that come in and teach people about food preservation. Um, so we try to cover every element uh, that we can connected to the culture and the food. So we're still growing. Um, we are the oldest, um, uh, I should say, the longest living uh, Native organization in the Twin Cities area. And we're still here, but we we are a dream that has come true and we are living that dream and so native people are dreamers you know and our dreams can come true you know and that's what we're trying to do and we're trying we're trying to make a change we're trying to go back and restore a lot of a lot of the things that we have not been utilizing i never use the term lost because I don't believe that things are lost. We can always regain them. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for uh, that really good overlook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Um, so, Ernie, could you talk a little bit about the importance of um, growing medicines for yourself here at Dream of Wild Health, but also just in general for people who would be listening to this? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we as Native people have many, many medicines, you know, um, and some of the medicines that, that we gather can only be gathered in, in certain geographical locations because of climate. And so we have medicines here um, in this state that, that people uh, look forward to getting if people in this state can deliver those medicines. And so we have other medicines in other parts of the country that we in this part of the country try to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that existed uh, prior to European contact was a network and an exchange. And so our people would travel 
and exchange medicines. They would trade, they would barter, they would exchange. They were never sold. People didn't sell medicine. We had no concept of that. It was always a gift, uh, or I will supply you with this medicine from here, and you will supply me. And so I think today, this is something that, that we as, as uh, Native people need to do again. We need to have this, this network that exists amongst our people where we are sharing the medicines from our locations. And one of the things that is essential though is to be able to identify those medicines, those plants. Mm -hmm. uh, we're very fortunate here that we, we work with uh, individuals that are knowledgeable about foraging, about plants, and we're able to go out and gather some of these plants that we, we can identify and know and uh, teach about these plants. Um, we also here on, on the farm um, teach about the sacred, the sacred plants. All plants are sacred, you know, in, in our native perspective. But we were given four, four plants by the Creator that we hold as sacred plants that help us in, in our spirituality. And those are the, the sweet grass, um, the sage, the cedar, and tobacco. And within the last few years, we have been able to grow and um, have all these four sacred medicines here on the farm that we raise now. Uh, it, it's very difficult if you have to go out and gather all these medicines. You know, you have mm -hmm. to travel. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find them all in one place. Some, you know, it may take you days, and and uh, sometimes you're not going to find a person that's raising sacred tobacco. So you make knick-knick, mm -hmm. You know, so we we can make we teach uh, the the young people here how to make knick-knick but we are also raising um, the sacred tobacco here also, you know? And so we are able to send our young people home with the four sacred medicines every summer that they are here in our program. That way they can share it with their families. And we get that out that way to our people that we share that medicine. Wow. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So what are some like uh, what are some examples of medicines that you would take the kids out and show them how to harvest that um, those those items? Well, one of the things is that we look at things that are right here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's abundance of things that grow right even in your lawn mm -hmm. that people aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. You know, even food sources. Yeah. You have foods that grow. Um, you know, right, right within your region, and you—I mean, within your location of your where you're living, and you never know it. You look at them as weeds. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you look at—we uh, have right here a little pond that has a lot of cattail. Mm -hmm. Well, the cattail can be be utilized, you know, uh, as a food source, mm -hmm. uh, as a medicine. Uh, even the root is edible. You know, the root was used for making a flower. Um, you go down even farther and you can 
you can get uh, the bear medicine in these roots of certain uh, family of the cattail. You can identify it on the top by um, some of the things that grow from it and you know that that one plant has that that root down below that you can go gather. Now here in uh, Minnesota we have uh, the birch tree. Um, the birch tree um, uh, because in the woodlands tribes have used the bark for canoes, for baskets, for many items. But the tree also is, is, is a medicinal tree. Um, chaga is one of the things that grows on uh, the birch tree. And that's why I was saying that in certain geographical locations, you will find certain plants that grow. Mm -hmm. And here, uh, chugga is one of those plants that would grow here in Minnesota. Um, and people today are being more aware of that plant, or that fungus, I should say, that mm -hmm. grows on this tree and using it in uh, combating cancer. You know, it's, a, it's something that we have used. Um, there are different plants that, that can be utilized, flowers that grow here abundantly for heart medicines, mm -hmm. um, even um, injuries um, that you might, you might acquire on your skin, rashes. A lot of the, the plants that grow right here on the farm. You don't have to go into the woods. You can just identify these different plants that grow here and use these plants. Um, we even teach about the, some of the more edible things that grow around here. Even people look at them as weeds. Uh, we teach the kids that there are plants here that you can you can actually eat, you know. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's what I always say is that the food is medicine. Yeah. You know, and so if you can identify some of these edible foods, they are a medicine also. Uh, whereas we look at medicine as something that is only used for an illness. Yeah. Well, a medicine can be used for nourishment, for protein, you know. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if we start looking at some of those things, there's an abundance of them growing, you know, different plants. Yeah, it's... You know, when we look at our, our yards, you know, we've been conditioned to think of those, you know, all those plants that spring up as uh, weeds. Yes. Um, and then some of the some of the um, things that I've been able to be involved with, you know, when we talk about making Kinnikinnik, um, the mullein, the mullein yes. leaves, you know, and there's people, you know, that say, oh, I don't know what mullein is or I yeah. don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Um, and I tell them, you've seen mullein. I know you have. Yes. You know, and so I'll explain to them, in the first year it looks like this, and in the second year mm -hmm. it looks like this, and that's how, you know, it's easily seen when you're driving around. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so that's totally true that yeah. our medicines, and uh, and that was one thing I've always been told too, is that our medicines are always right where we need them, and yes. that the medicines that you need will come to you. Yes. Whether that's being treated or gifted, or if it's just walking out into your backyard yeah. and finding it, mm -hmm. you know, so medicines are everywhere. They're everywhere. You just have to be able to identify them. And there are, there are, there are certain plants and uh, uh, 
things that can can affect you uh, in a negative way. But one of the things that that I was taught is the antidote is close by. Mm-hmm. You may have you may have uh, poison ivy, poison oak, and near there you may find the antidote to treat that. Mm-hmm. So it's like the balance. Yeah, you find that balance even in nature, mm-hmm. but you first must understand, you know, what the plant is, and you can find the rest of that balance. Yeah. You know, it's all there. A weed is merely defined as something that's in the way of what you're trying to grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be yeah. a tree, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So we look at weeds, you know, uh, very loosely in this culture. Yeah. And, and and I don't think that in, in many of our in any of the native languages that I know of that there is a word for weed. That's true. I've I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. You know. I yeah. So everything to us was important. Everything was had a purpose. Mm-hmm. Everything does have a purpose. You know. Yeah. Well, and even you know going back when you were talking about cattails, you know those are really important. Um, you know we would weave them into mats. Mats. You know, so it's a food source, it's a medicine source, but it's also like a utility source too, you know, because even though, you know, we lived close to the earth, we didn't always necessarily need dirt on everything. So we would make mats to, you know, to create a distance from, from sitting in dirt or from right. laying in dirt. Yeah. Know? So yeah. there's all kinds of things that, you know, we can, um, use things for, yeah. you know, my, I have a friend who weaves bulrush, um, bags. Oh, she, yeah. she will weave bags out of the dried bulrushes. Right. And, you know, prior to her doing that, I would have never thought that those tall things growing in the water would have been usable for things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen, um, I was fortunate enough um, to see and, and live with uh, um, the Kickapoos in Oklahoma years ago, probably around in the 70s, where they had uh, women that were still utilizing uh, the reeds of the cattail to make the mats for the okay. Indian houses. Mm-hmm. They called them Indian houses, but actually here in the, in uh, this part of the country, they call them wigwams, Yeah, you know, but because they were Woodlands people, mm-hmm. they were just relocated, you know, like many tribes have been relocated. Mm-hmm. They were still able to keep that, that uh, tradition alive of uh, the cat, what you just spoke of, using yeah. the cattail mats, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the way they worked um, was amazing because the women would be on the ground working on these mats and they would have uh, like teams working on them and they might have two women in the front and two women in the back. Mm-hmm. So the women in the front would do um, the preliminary part of it mm-hmm. and the other woman would come and finish it. Yeah. So it was it was a group effort, mm-hmm. you know, and, and many of the things that we made like that were a communal uh, process to keep the community together, you mm-hmm. know. And so today it's much different, you know, we, we've moved away from a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's one of the elements as, as Native people, we got to strengthen those communities back up again and yeah. whatever we do, whether it be the harvesting of food planting of the garden mm-hmm. you know these were all done together yeah you know um 
Yeah, because in American society, it's so individualistic yes. in, in focus and in uh, in practice. Yes. You know, but when you talk about that stuff, you know, even, um, you know, even in the wintertime, you know, it was all about community, even, mm-hmm. you know, so when we talk about Woodlands people and, you know, the snow is coming, yeah. you know, when the snow gets here, yeah. you know, yeah. we would be separated a lot of times from yeah. our hunting camps, but... Even that, you'd have the family that was together and, you know, the, the telling of stories and the sharing of things, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, when we talk about the summertime, when it was, when we were farming, when we were foraging, when we were fishing and hunting, you know, because there's some hunting that can happen in the summer too, Yeah. you know, so it's, it, it was all really focused on us and we and the community. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and on some level, when we talk about food as medicine, mm-hmm. procuring the food, that's a type of medicine too, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, by being with other people. That is the medicine. That is the medicine. And I think one of the things that's very important um, that, that we teach the young people is the respect of these plants that we are going to be even growing. Before we even grow the plants, we have that respect by the offering of the tobacco. Mm-hmm. before you put the seed in maybe a song maybe a prayer all of the above sometimes mm-hmm. you remember these things and so when you put that seed in you're already planting this good energy with that seed mm-hmm. you know and then as you go along through the summer as you maintain that plant you give it the respect and the honor that you take care of it it's like a child mm-hmm. you nurture it you feed it you take mm-hmm. care of it. And that plant, in return, gives that good energy back to you. Yeah. You get that good energy back that you put into that plant. You have literally become one with the plant. Yeah. You actually become uh, a living part of that plant, and that plant will give its life to you, and it will be part of you. Mm-hmm. So you share that. That's part of that connection that we have with our food, you know. Mm-hmm. And if we look at that food as a medicine, that's what it is. You know, it's more than just nourishing us. It's giving us that spiritual connection that we all need as Native people. Somebody was asking, well, Native people have been through so much. They've suffered so much. They've had all this horrific stuff happen to them throughout history. Why have they been able to survive? What has, why are they still here? Why are they still survivors? Mm-hmm. And, and the only thing that I could think of is that we are a spiritual people. We are very spiritual in everything we do. We have that connectedness to everything. And if it weren't for that spiritual base, I don't think that we would be here today. We would have given up. Mm-hmm. But we have that spiritual base. So we have to maintain that spiritual base with everything that we do. You know, whether it be raising our food, raising our children, uh, supporting our communities. We can't forget that spiritual base that we all have. You know, it's a very important part of who we are. Yeah. And it will continue to take care of us, you know, if we utilize it. It's like the plants. Um, one of the things about plants is if you don't use them, you lose them. Mm-hmm. It's the same way as our sacred medicines. If you don't use them, you lose them. 
So we have to maintain that. We maintain all that and continue, you know. And I think that's that's why we're still here. That's why we're still surviving and we're getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or share about all the great work that's happening at Dream of Wild Health? Um, you know, just anything else that you feel like sharing? Well, one of the things I think that, that I touched on was, was that, you know, um, I talked about community, you know, and uh, one of the things that is very important part is that we, we get the food into the community. Mm-hmm. We get the food to the people. But we also teach our young people about their responsibility to their community so that they be part of their community. They do things in their community, you know. Um, I think today um, we have been removed. People talk about community, but they really talk about it in a different sense. A community to a lot of people is where you live, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. It's not, it's not the people. It's not about the people, your community. I think that that mindset has been removed from a lot of people today. Mm -hmm. So I think that we, as Native people, um, have to start doing a lot of that community thinking, that community-based, you know. And it's, I always like to think of it as, as a mindset that everybody is thinking together. Mm-hmm. We're not individually thinking about ourselves. We think together as a group. We make a decision together as a group. We decide as a group of people what is best for us. And that's where the term seven generation comes from. Mm-hmm. Because we're thinking ahead. We're thinking ahead seven generations for the decision that we make today. How is that going to affect our, our people Mm-hmm. So you're thinking ahead seven generations for your community, for the people that are coming up. And I always say, we're in the seventh generation, every generation. Yeah. Every generation is a seventh. Mm-hmm. So no matter what generation you are in, you have to be conscious of what you're doing and how is that going to affect down the road. Yeah. You know, seventh generation isn't coming. It's already here. And it's already gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It continues. Mm-hmm. It's a moving thing constantly, if you think of it that way. Yeah. We move through that. Yeah. And so I think that's that's something that we try to, um, you know, um, teach the young people. Because so much of our, our, uh, our tribes today, our nations, have lost, um, well, there I go using that word lost, have not utilized a lot of their their um, ceremonies, you know, that were once used for the youth. For example, the um, the introduction to certain societies, your coming of age, you know, a few tribes have maintained that, but uh, every tribe that I know of had those coming of age, you know, your. Uh, your rites of passage into your adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I try to do here, because I was very fortunate 
to be introduced into a society, the Kit Fox Warrior Society, and um, that doesn't continue anymore in, in my tribe. And so what I try to do is take elements of that ceremony and teach that to the young people here mm -hmm. so that they do get some of that benefit, you know, that they understand their roles in life. They understand their roles to their family. They understand their roles to their community so that they have that, that foundation. Without that, you know, then they're lost, you know, and we have, we have that happening today. So we have to, we regain, we have to regain those things, you know, and then we have to be able to teach them so that they can be passed on, you know, and that they're not lost. So we grow vegetables here and we grow leaders, you know, yeah. we grow vegetables on the farm and we grow leaders. And that's what, that's one of the things that to me shows success when I see the young people stepping up and being leaders. We do have a group of young people that are our leaders that we are in touch with all year. Mm -hmm. They work with our program all year and they go out in the community, they do cooking classes, they do lectures, so that we have them, we stay connected. And we teach them that this is their family. We are a family here. And you're not, you know, you are part of a family. We take care of each other here. We love each other, you know. It's very important yeah. because so many of our youth today don't have that, you know. Mm -hmm. They don't have it. And they come here and they feel safe. I've had kids that don't want to go home at night, mm -hmm. you know. So we're just, we're just part of something that I think that we as Native people need to be thinking about and doing for the rest of our people and our communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ernie, for chatting with me about Dream of Wild Health. Yeah, um, yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you for your time listening to the National Native Network podcast. Part two of this conversation between Josh and Ernie will be coming soon. If you would like to participate in a podcast, you can contact us at nnn at itcmi.org. If you want more information about traditional tobacco, traditional medicines, cancer prevention, health in general, you can check out keepitsacred.org. Um, we also have a Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn accounts that you can find and follow. Miigwech, um, thank you again for, for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.